0: Welcome to episode five hundred and sixty-six of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Radio team, welcome along to episode number. Five six six of I am talk with Coach John Yustam and Bevan James Owes. How you go, mate?
1: I am pretty good and you?
0: Pretty good. Why are you pretty good, John?
1: Because I'm in my nice warm office and I've got my, my double heater going today, Bevan. I have my little wall heater and then it was so cold this morning I've got the double heater going just to keep me nice and cozy. The
0: double heater, that is. Mm. So the wall heater is one of those cheap ones that is into the wall.
1: Yeah, it just does enough most days, but on chilly mornings like today, you just need yeah. that little bit of extra.
0: We've got one of those in our bedroom, and, and it's good for the chill factor, but it's about all it's good for. Strong start to the show today, people, talking heaters. People are loving the heater talk. <laughs> <laughs> uh, our talk is proudly brought to you by... Athlinks.com. Social networking for endurance athletes.
1: Extreme endurance. galactic
0: buffer. And
1: we've got a new partner on today, Trisports.com.
0: And we'll be telling you all about that later on, but that's where you can get all your triathlon gear. And our patrons. And Jumbo, let's name a few. Pavel the Wild Wrestler Chelsea. That's a gold nickname. Marissa, I'm going to say Rastatera. 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 Little, I was, Dirty Little Rascal.
1: And she's going to be a dirty little rascal over in Road with us, Bevan. We'll, we'll back it up. <laughs> back it up. <laughs> well, your wife will be present. Yes. Uh, Michael, call
0: me Sir Turner. And then we've got Anthony, how's it going? Cam- Camarelli. we we'll go with that. Yep, the Squid Express. And Lee, the Merv Hughes. Absolute gold. Merv Hughes is an, an iconic Australian cricket player from back in the day. John Bo, in this week's show, we've got some news. We've got a discussion of the week, we've got an interview.
1: We have. So I caught up with Laura Siddell last week. She's been based in Christchurch all summer. You will have heard from her, I uh, did a quick interview with her in Challenge Monica, but she won Ironman Australia the week before last. So I thought it'd be a good opportunity to chat with her. You know, it's, a, it's not one of the, these days, one of the premier Ironman races in terms of a championship race, but it was her first Ironman win and uh, she went out there and crushed it by over 30 minutes. So we're going to hear about that.
0: We've got a workout of the week, we've got a wing of the week, and we've got some questions and the answers at the end. Also, we've got diet wars. We have got diet wars. <laughs> it's hardly
1: diet wars. But it was just a couple of things that came up this week that I thought we'd share with you guys, just to further confuse you on what you should be doing in nutrition.
0: Uh, my strategy is proving to be scientifically right, John. That's all I'm saying. Anyway, our uh, news. Let's have a look at it. Lots of 70.3s this weekend.
1: Yes, it was loads, so no iron distance races, but we had uh, some some good racing, a sprint finish in Iron no, Man that point. Three in Pays Dax in uh, France between Bertrand Biland, who drilled everybody on the bike. He rode 210 compared to everybody else riding sort of 216, 217, and he managed to hang on by one second from his fellow countryman Denny Chevreau uh, by one second. And uh, Luke Van, uh, not Luke Van Laird, Frederick Van Laird, another four minutes back in third. So What about their run was, uh,
0: for second? An hour, hour 10. Hour 10. Jesus, if that's accurate, that's amazing. It really
1: is, isn't it? Yeah. And Emma Billum, who was down here doing... Challenge Monica. She finished, was it, I think it was third, wasn't it? She yep. took it out in the girls' race in 429. So That was over on the uh, the continent. We had a couple. We had a race in the states uh, with Holly Lawrence of Great Britain and Sam Appleton of Australia taking out wins at the 70.3 Santa Rosa, which used to be the Vineman 70.3, and also at that race, Jensen Button, who is a former Formula One driver a car racing driver, uh, he took out his age group. He actually got disqualified at a race recently for going too fast, Bevan.
0: Oh, really? Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. So what's the story?
1: Well, the, uh, there was, a, there was a, a, an area, maybe you weren't allowed to be on your aero bars or as a no passing zone or something like that. But anyway, he got disqualified recently for either doing that or he, I think it was actually going too fast in a zone where you were supposed to be going below a certain speed oh, or something. Oh, okay. So, so I don't know the exact incident. Seems an odd thing got, to
0: get disqualified for.
1: Yeah, especially when you're a Formula One driver. Yeah. And uh, so he went over there and did the 70.3 in Santa Rosa. And bloody hell, he is pretty fast. So John Leveson at try 247 did a little comparison between his times and Holly, Holly Lawrence, who is – without doubt, the most dominant 70.3 athlete on the circuit at the moment. Yep. And uh, he outrode her. He rode 215 to her 218, and he outran her ran at 122 to her 125. She put four minutes into it on the swim and a little bit of time in transition, but uh, he ended up uh, finishing. Her, his time was uh, only 30 seconds slower than hers, so that oh. goes to show how uh, he is a pretty bloody handy triathlete. Granted, you know, Age group racing is different to, to pro racing, but even if there was a bit of a draft effect on the bike, if there was, um, that's still pretty impressive. So uh, Jensen Button, look out for him. Won his age group.
0: Wow, that, that's pretty good. Uh, we also had. That's all the David races know. Mac- Mac- oh, David yep. McNamee.
1: David McNamee of Team GB and Laura Phillip of Germany won the seventy point three over in Majorca. And the last one we had was in. Kevin Collington took out uh, seventy point three Monterey and on the girls side of things we had, we had, we had on pay, this filter on I'm i st- <laughs> I'm just trying to control myself. This stupid bloody Ironman. man. The the athlete tracker is just rubbish.
0: It is a bit rubbish, isn't it? Especially when you're trying to get the, the
1: females. Yeah, yeah. I can't yeah. So filter yeah. Yeah. Filter Female Pro boom not working zero athletes apparently not good enough john so i'm sorry for not giving the females some love there uh looks like liz lyle's managed to finish in second place who finished in first place isn't this just abysmal bevan
0: it really is john abysmal abysmal,
1: abysmal. And now it's not even going back to page oh. one can't blame us team i apologize to the female winner of 17.3 monterey we're back now jenny seymour from south africa well done
0: very good okay john the other big race that's been happening over the weekend is ultraman australia it finishes today after day two richard thompson is in a pretty good position he's an hour ahead of everyone else but a lot can happen on day three
1: it can so we're actually recording this show on a monday morning as opposed to normally tuesdays so by the time the show comes out they will be done and dusted so it'll be old news um but yeah one hour lead you'd You'd think that would be enough. Well, I did see a little picture on their Facebook page, a uh, little video clip of him finishing the the bike ride. He looked pretty spent. Uh, oh, did he? So good, on, good on him though. He's still got overnight to recover. On the girls, side of things. Mary Not is leading the race. Uh, so she's gone seventeen hours and eleven minutes and. She's she's probably sitting in around about 15th place overall. So good luck. Well, the Aussies, if you're listening, it'll be done and dusted by this time.
0: I've got to say, it's, it's, that's what's kind of cool about Ultraman, is that it's, it, the the event, in like an hour does seem like a lot, but you can easily mm. lose an hour on that run, can't you?
1: If you're a really crappy runner, you know, or even a pretty crappy a bow, runner versus a really stunning runner, then, uh, yeah, you could, could definitely lose an hour, I think.
0: Yeah. Pretty cool stuff, uh, Johnbo. Coming up this weekend, we've got Grotti.
1: We have indeed, and uh, this is a race that one day I would like to go and do. It's a good, challenging day at the office. You have a sea swim, uh, you have a ride that is just looks stunning. Um, so it's not a; cr- it's a lot of climbing, but it's not. ridiculous. Re- ridiculous out of this world sort of climbing. It's uh, around about 2,000 meters of elevation gain. You're going from sea level, the highest point you get up to is around about 580 meters. So it is pretty hilly all day, but it's not you know, not as epic as some of, say, the French, you know, um, Ember Man or, or anything like that. Uh, so, yeah, it's just the, the, when you see the pictures of the sort of volcanic um, landscape over there, it just looks wicked and some amazing sea views when you're on top of those climbs. So it's definitely a race that I would like to go and do. Uh, and what I like about the run over there that I hadn't noticed before, they they do one long loop, so you go a 30k loop, and then you have one 12k loop, which is perfect timing. You know, mm. when you're you're at that point where you're right on the rivet, then you're going to have a, You're going to have a few more people. You first lap, 30k, get into your rhythm, get the job done, and then you come into that final section. You need a bit more crowd support. You need a few more people around, and then they have the, the, the you know a shorter loop around town. So um, I really like the look of that.
0: Yeah, yeah. and also just kind of mentally to be around town with the crowd for that last lap would make a massive difference. Last year, Jesse
1: Thomas took the race out from Jan Fredino, somewhat surprisingly, outrunning Jan Fredino. So he went uh, 50 minute swim, 4:58 on the bikes. So, you know, obviously those bike times, 4:58 for top guys, is um, is you know about half an hour slower than what they would ride on a, on a flatter course. If it was a road type course, it's about 40 minutes slower. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, he pulled off a 2:46 marathon for an 8:42 as opposed to Jan Fredino. Dino's 8.44, and David McNamee, who won a 70.3 race, was only another two minutes back in 8.46. And last year on the girls' side of things, we had Tina Holst take it out in 10 hours and two minutes. So this year we have Jesse Thomas back to try to defend his title, Bart Aronatz, who we know is uh, one of the fastest runners, uh, Ironman runners in the sport, with uh, consistently sort of some top ten results in Kona, and Cyril Vino, who's also had uh, top tens in Kona and top five races, so pretty good top three of pretty similar sort of standard. Torsten's predicting um, an eight hour thirty five finish for Jesse Thomas, eight thirty six for Bart Aronatz, and eight for forty for Cyril Vino. So if that comes true, it should be some some pretty Good close racing.
0: Just one thing, we've got an email. I can't find the email, but we've got an email through from somebody. We're talking about Fredino not doing rote and, um, and doing some, a team, yeah. But someone sent through that he's going to do Austria trying to, yes, trying to own the Ironman world record, <laughs> yeah. I think it was Frank McVeigh that sent
1: that yeah. through, I think, yeah. So, yeah, I think he could easily go as fast as he did and rote in Austria, um, from the files that I've seen, you know, the reason Austria is, fast is, is because it's a bit short as is wrote, as is, uh, as was Arizona this year. So, um, yeah, he definitely go go fast there, but the question will be, will he want to go fast again? Knowing that last year drilled and wrote, and yeah, he won Kona, but he was not stoked with his performance in Kona, said so he didn't feel on fire. So does he want to tick the box and put in a strong performance, but really try to see what he can do in Kona? And uh, you know, I think he'd be a hell of a lot happy to go sub eight in Kona than he would to 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 get some so-called record uh, over the ironman distance the if, if
0: route is a little bit longer you know you know like if the course changes i have made this year mean it's longer and we no, no longer going to see records here does, does the race lose something
1: oh, i think it w- would would lose a little bit yeah uh, I think for, for for Joe Bloggs, for us athletes participating, the new, run, the new run course is going to be better, and that's why they've made the changes. So you're going to have better spectator interaction, and you're probably not going to have that long, lonely sections that you had on the canal in the past. So for for 99% of the field, uh, it's going to be a better experience. It's just not going to be quite as quick as what it was, I don't think. I mean, may, hey, I might get proven wrong, but I think the, f- the fact that you're not running on that soft surface by the canal is, I think, going to have a bigger a bigger impact than what you gain by having better crowd support. But, hey, could be wrong.
0: Yeah, because it's one of the races that have always owned the record, so it'd be kind of cool if they can keep owning a record. Iron Cat is also on hold this on, weekend. On, look oh, at, you've, got, you've got to give the Laker girls a bit of attention there, Bevan. Oh, sorry. I, was, I wasn't even listening to you, so I wasn't being sexist. Oh, wha-
1: what a change. <laughs> So, on the girls' side of things, it's a 14% of the typical Kona field uh, quality. you got Lucy Gossage there, you got Corrine Abraham and Diana Reisler. So, Lucy Gossage is, um, from what I did see, sort of been taking a bit of a step back this year in terms of getting back into a bit of work as opposed to um, being a full time 100% athlete. So, it'll be interesting to see how she goes. And Corrine Abraham, you know, when she's on fire, fit, uninjured, she is awesome so uh could be a bit of a battle of team gb and you've also got lucy charles there who finished third so you've got a pretty good strong field there you got 14 uh, 14 to 17 sort of athletes potentially on the line on the guys side of things you got around about uh 40 so good luck to everybody racing in lanzagrotty this weekend and we've also got iron cat coming up john Okay, this looks like a cool race. It's it started in uh, two thousand and four in Spain. They limit the field to two hundred and twenty six athletes, and it looks it's a multi lap bike course, uh, laps of thirty ks, multi lap run course, uh, and entry. See, this is where these races do differentiate themselves: two hundred and forty euros to enter. Pretty bloody good. When you compare that to a lot of the Iron Distance races, it's going to be two to three times that. So if you want to go after Spain, it's near, uh, sort of between Valencia and Barcelona, check out the Iron Cat.
0: Well, pretty cool work from Outlaw Triathlon. So Outlaw Triathlon, the Outlaw has sold out for this year. And on try247.com, they've got an article about it just saying how when the race started in 2000, they had 715 people do the race. The full distance race, not just kind of, abbreviations of the race and this year they've sold out 1400 athletes and have still got a couple of months before the race so you know what from day one the feedback we've always got from the outlaw is they've done a pretty great job but you know for a non Ironman branded race to be selling out and, and you know that's kind of your pretty typical i a triathlon it's pretty cool Absolutely. Yeah. And
1: uh, so I, thought, I think this is just a really good sign. You know, last week I was talking about um, Wisconsin that sold out. Uh, we've got Outlaw that sold out. You know, it used to be that Ironman races all around the world were selling out in, in seconds. Um, but it's great to see, as you said, especially a non
0: WTC branded race is selling out. So uh, nice work, The Outlaw. And, and it's not, you know, a Norseman. You know what I mean? Like, what, mm. the discussion we were having last week was around this idea of. What do we need to differentiate ourselves? Well, Outlaw really haven't. I'm sure it's a different experience to an Ironman experience, but, you know, it, it looks like it's a pretty typical triathlon, but obviously pretty professional outfit, doing great work, so well done, Outlaw.
1: Mm.
0: Yeah. Jumbo, let's have a look at the ITU update. We had Yokohama happened last weekend.
1: We did miserable weather over there in Japan, and that really did. Well, it didn't take away from the spectacle, but it wasn't the, the the riveting racing that I was sort of hoping for. Because pre-race on the guys, we thought you we know, might have Mario Mola up against uh, Gomez, up against Brownlee, and then a few others sort of in the mix as well. Didn't really turn out that way on the guys' side of things. Brownlee crashed I out. Know, I that looked just crazy, thought, didn't it? Yeah, just before, towards the end um, of the the bike ride, he was pretty and, lucky, wasn't
0: he? Because he kind of went over the barrier.
1: Yeah, I didn't I didn't watch the replay multiple times to to see exactly whether it was his fault or somebody else's fault. I didn't didn't really get a good grasp of it. But then I did see that he was running his bike to the finish, and he did actually end up carrying on and uh, running a sort of a thirty two something or other, and uh, yeah, managed to finish the race. Long way down the field. Forty second. Forty second. But uh yeah. I don't know why I don't quite know why he did that, but good on for for participating in the spirit of the sport. But he he would have really been amongst the mix there. As it turned out, Mario Mola more or less just ran away with it. Um, it wasn't a, It's not the massive gaps we've seen in the past. Uh, you had Fernando Olaza, his fellow Spanish dude, in second, and Christian Blumenfeld, who is the big, chunky Norwegian, uh, came back from his death and managed to steal third place. So good on him. And on the girls' side of things, it really was not that exciting because you had an awesome performance by flora duffy who tt'd off the front on the bike teamed up with uh sophie caldwell from great britain in her first wts race and they just built up this gigantic lead and flora duffy despite you know crushing the bike ride her runtime was more or less equal to any of the other fastest runners in the fields He had non-stanford and ashley gentle running 34.03 and 30 respectively but Flora Duffy despite you know pushing it all the way on the bike still ran 34.25 so uh, third fastest run of the day even though she was solo pretty much throughout on the bike ride so impressive stuff
0: So Jonbo you've got big news sorry the next race is in Leeds Leeds. And so we might
1: see Alistair Brownlee stepping well, I'm pretty sure we are seeing Alistair Brownlee step back down in distance from the from the seventy point three that he's done recently and the half iron man. Uh, no, no, no. It's the Brownlees have it as, the, as sort of the Brownleys race and they had it, I don't know if this is the second or third year, but definitely last time they had it, uh, the Brownlees uh, crushed it and Gomes was just missed them off the back of the, He was just off the back in the swim. So it's a point to point race uh, and yeah, coming up in about a month's time.
0: Time's rocking, or okay, John. got your big, this is not big, big camps. news
1: because I, I broke it last week, but I just want to remind people about my camps uh, coming up or our camps, the, the Epic camps. Uh, but I, we did include this last week as well.
0: Okay, we'll, we'll quickly tell them.
1: Okay, so next year we've got the Kona double, we've got the camp in May, uh, which will incorporate the 70.3 race. Awesome camp, checking out all the different parts of the Big Island. And then in Ironman time, we'll be over there for World Champs. And if there's demand, I'm happy to put on a camp over there to get the World Champs experience. So if you're keen on either of those camps, get in touch. And then 2019, so you've got plenty of time to get ready for this. Get brownie points, do whatever it takes to get ready. We're going to be doing an epic camp through the Pyrenees. And then uh, we're going to follow that up uh, with another camp in Emberman this is an iconic race in France you get to go over the proper Tour de France mountains in an iron distance race and uh, just experience what is France as well. With that one, we will also do a bit of riding, do Alpe d'Huez, do the Col de Galibier, and we'll finish up uh, down in Ombrum and do the race, and that will be awesome. With that one, it's going to be pretty much any standard of An athlete can come along to that, but you will need to be pretty decent standard just to complete epic, um, complete the Embrun Man with the Epic Pyrenees race. Uh, send in your CV if you're at if, if, all in doubt as to whether you're up to, up to scratch. And I'll let you know, but it should be good times in France.
0: Okay, John, let's talk about a sponsor. We've got a new sponsor on board team, Trisports.com. It's a different kind of sponsor. John, let's talk about it.
1: So it's more of an affiliate
0: for us. So guys,
1: you you all know what how affiliates work. Uh, it's one way that you can support the show. Use the promo code IMTalk. And you get a 10% discount on anything at trisports.com. So if you haven't heard TriSports before, they're probably the biggest full triathlon only website in the world. You basically get obviously all your swim gear, your bike gear, your run gear, whatever whatever triathlon stuff, sports nutrition. They do ship globally, and they've been they've got some pretty good shipping rates. I believe they've been working on some some new deals around that. So look, it's one way that you guys can help us. You get a discount there, 10% off using the promo code. Talk helps us out at the show, and uh, it helps also, you know, a really good, fantastic triathlon-specific website. So if you're looking to purchase anything, check them out. Check out the prices. Use that promo code and uh, help out the boys.
0: Yeah, and basically, if you buy something, we get like one percent. of a bugger all cut, but you know, if all you guys get on there, it helps us in a in a small way. You know, I've got to say, John, I'm, I'm looking at getting a new Garmin, and I went on there and checked out Garmin, and the one I want's on special. So tell you what I might be doing at TriSports. There you go. Yeah, check it out. Whoop, whoop. whoop. com, guys. So once again, so do they need to go through our link or do they just need to use the promo code?
1: So we have a link on imtalk.me, so you can either go onto that and click on the banner um, or the the TriSports logo, uh, and that helps us out. But also, if you just use the promo code imtalk, then they will register that as a sale for us, and it helps us out.
0: remember, imtalk is one word. Okay, Jumbo, um, let's look at last week's discussion. Quite a cool discussion last week. We kind of said if we were to get Frodo, Gomez, and Brownlee in peak condition on an I Man course that's not Kona, who's going to win it? And the same with Chrissy versus Reef if, if both of them were at their peak. Not Chrissy now, Chrissy in her peak back in the day. Who would take out the race? And we've got, we've got some good discussion here, John. You can start.
1: We have, we have indeed. So. Gary Irving, he was saying, I'd say if everyone was fitting at their peak, then Alistair Brownlee. Alistair's whole reason for entering triathlon around the age of eight was after watching his uncle doing a long course race. He was far more motivated for this than people think.
0: Well, Clive Aspin is a little bit more, he needs a bit more proof. He's basically saying, can't really say until Brownlee and Gomez have done an Ironman. As for the girl, assuming you're talking at their peaks, I would go for Chrissy, uh... Oh, Christy didn't have the swim of Reef, but a better runner, having held the run course record and both amazing athletes, so...
1: Michael Good, Frodo would beat Brownlee and Gomez um, for the next few years. Their speed advantage will count for nothing over the marathon. I think Gomez would adapt quicker to the full.
0: Andrew vickery has got. Assuming hypothetically that Gomez and Alistair Brownlee had already done a few Ironmans under their belt, then Brownlee wins. I think Chrissy would beat Reef. Remember, Chrissy Wellington has only ever re, was only ever really twist, tested twice. Once with the flat tyre and once when she had a busted shoulder and beat all comers. And then Lee Chapman goes, I agree. I'm a massive fan of Frodo, but Brownlee retired Frodo from short course racing and was no longer really competitive. Let's see if Frodo and Gomez show up for the 70.3 Worlds.
1: Uh, Luke Egots, Sanders.
0: here's the world record holder, don't you know? <laughs> Good times. Balfong's got uh, Frodo all the way. I think Brownlee most likely would probably blow up in his first due to lack of experience. Who hasn't done that in their first time, Ironman? Gomez would give Frodo a good run for his money till halfway through the run league. For the girls, my bet is a Reef. She has good speed and I think she could definitely take on an in-form Chrissie. Jason Black reckons
1: you missed out Rennie. I don't. Rennie's not in the same ballpark as those. So she is the best runner, yeah. iron distance runner of all time, without a shadow of a doubt. But uh,
0: she's too not far the same, behind so it's girls. Especially if it was a one-on-one race. Mm. You know, mm. if you, okay, Lucy Francis. It depends on the race conditions. If in hot weather, it would be a tough battle between Fredino and Gomez to the finish line with Frodo winning. And cooler, I think Brownlee. Wouldn't win, but perhaps would be in contention until the later part of the race. It's interesting because I thought more Frodo would be hurt by the hot weather, but anyway, um, with the woman Reef would win. The reason for this is that Chrissy has always seemed prone to a mishap, puncture, broken pedal, crash before a race, and by her own admission can be a bit of a muppet, which indicates why that Reef would have an edge, but just.
1: And the final one, I'll do Tim- Timothy Hughes, not Brownlee or Gomez, not going to beat the world champ at their debut 140.6. Reef, Chrissy has been retired for years. We know that, but we're, we're talking when she's in.
0: Hypothetically. Yes. Saber's creeper's. Greg Irvin's got, I'd say, if everyone was fitting at their peak, then Alistair Brownlee. Alistair's whole reason. Oh, you did that one? Mm. Yes. Okay, there we are. We're done.
1: So let's, we, we can, t- we have, it is hypothetical on the boys' side of things, but on the girls' side of things, if we look at Daniela Reef, so when she won Kona last year, she went 846 46. So her splits, she swam 52, rode 452, and ran 256. And if we look at Chrissy's um, best performance at the Ironman World Champs, uh, I think her fastest time here is 854. 4, is that right? Yeah, 8.54. 8.54.02. She swam 54, rode 4.52 and only ran a 3.03. Surely she's run quicker than that in Kona. Yeah, no, she ran a 2.52. 2.52.
0: And that was the record at the time, and then um, Reni came back the next year and ran faster, I think.
1: Mm. So on Kona, you know, Reef has has got a little bit of an edge there. She has got the um, she has been faster with her performance last year. What was the time, time last year? Eight forty seven oh two.
0: Oh, and quite a bit faster then.
1: Mm. Yep. And uh, and she's shown there that she can run a sub three in in um at the Ironman World Champs. No, so she ran a two fifty six. So that's pretty handy when we look at ro- their rope performances. So. Um, Daniela Reef went and did rote last year. She swam 49, she rode 431 and ran a two fifty-seven. So Jeez, Chrissy speaking, ran two
0: forty-four at road.
1: Yeah, but you've got to say, relatively speaking, that run was a bit poor compared to if she can run two fifty-six at the World Champs in Kona and only run two fifty seven at rote, you'd expect her to be you know, yeah. around a two fifty mark. Yep. Then, then when you compare Chrissy's splits when she did set the record, so that that finish time there was 8:22:04, and Chrissy's record-breaking time in Rote was was 8:18:13, so four minutes quicker. Uh, she swam 49, so their swim times are comparable. But normally I would have expected Daniela Reeve to be a bit quicker than Chrissy uh, over the iron distance. Uh, she rode for on the 40, bike on no, the swim. Oh, I would expect um, Daniela to be a bit quicker on the swim. On the bike, Chrissy rode 440 in-road, as opposed to Daniela Reef's 431. She put nine minutes into her. Would you ever expect anybody to put nine minutes into Chrissy Wellington on the bike?
0: No,
1: no. But... Then Chrissy Wellington ran 244.35, which is bloody impressive. It
0: really is. I wonder that year how fast the fastest run it meant. Can you figure out can, on TriSplits, can you get that year's results for just the year? Or is it just. Uh, athlete yeah, you based?
1: can. Yeah, you can. I'm not going to do that right now because I've got these two pages in front of me. But uh, what year was that? That was 2011. I'll try 20- to find You yeah, keep talking. 2011. But you, you certainly can. Um, so. You've got to say, on the face of that, they're pretty comparable. You could go, Daniela Reef is stronger on the bike, but Chrissy's going to peg that back on on a fair bit of that on the run. And their swim, they're roughly the same. Maybe Daniela's got a little bit of an edge on there. So I'd say it's bloody going to be really close. I think on the face of it, I was initially thinking, oh, Chrissy Wellington's going to do it relatively comfortably. But, you know, Daniela Reef's going to come out maybe just in front of the swim. Pull away on the bike, and then it's going to take Chrissy a big run to, to come back. So I would give it to Chrissy by a whisker, but but not very much. And a few years ago, we were saying nobody's ever going to get close to Chrissy; that she was so far in front, we're never going to see anybody else. And Danielle Reith, her her stats are saying that, you know, she's going to be in the right ballpark.
0: So the year Chrissy did two forty four, Michael Raylert, who and these times was probably the greatest runner in the sport at that moment, two forty.
1: Mm. And didn't he set he set a new record that year? That yeah. was when he. What did he go there? S- two two uh, forty
0: one. Seven, yeah, 7.41, Yeah.
1: Yeah. So
0: So, Chrissy was only was actually only three and a half minutes slower than Raylur.
1: Well, she she would have had the second fastest runs for the day, probably.
0: Yeah, probably. I can't. It, it's not that good at showing. You know, saying the second fastest run is 2.51 for the boys. Like, maybe it was. Maybe Ray Lute won by So, yeah, by, by eight minutes, faster of <laughs> the boys. That is a very she, impressive she'd be run She beat Keenley by eight minutes. Yeah. that is Jeez, impressive. that's unbelievable. So there you go. So then that's on the girls' side of things. You can use some stats. But, and uh, the, go. Yep. To me, in some ways, the sad story, and the sad story is we lost Chrissy too early. Because imagine, now Chrissy would probably be in the very late part of her career now, wouldn't she? Mm, But there would have been a year or two where if Christy and Reef, you know, like I know Reef's kind of hitting her peak now, but maybe in the last couple of years we would have had some pretty amazing racing.
1: Absolutely. And it would have been exciting racing sort of coming from behind type stuff. Because they're
0: both dominated in their time. Now, Rini's been the the kind of the best outside of that. And Rini's definitely a champion in her own way. But these two are – these are of polar standard, these two girls. So, you know, imagine if we just had a couple of years of these two going toe-to-toe, how cool that would have been.
1: Mm. Yeah. And you could say neither of them have yet been fully tested when they've been doing their peak
0: races, so. Well, Chrissy was in unfortunate circumstances, so, yeah, yeah. you know. But, like, if she'd been on her peak day and she had brief reef next to her, imagine that. When she
1: was going – when yeah. she was going eight eighteen. 18 yeah. you know. And yeah, I bet she emptied the tank going 818. But if you've got somebody running next oh, to you, you're yeah. going quicker.
0: Yeah. Uh, boys, what
1: do you reckon? Boys, i got to give it to to Frodo, I think. Um, not just because he's approved. The thing with Frodo, it's really interesting. He, yes, he was an Olympic gold medalist, and people probably think, oh, he must have just been crushing it at Olympic distance like he did, does at Iron Man and everything else he does. But yeah, he was he was a real contender at Olympic distance, but he was nowhere near the same sort of level as. Gomez and Brownlee in terms of their consistency. So yeah he had some he had some good results and winning the Olympics is a fantastic result but he was nowhere near as dominant as he is over the long course and what has been so surprising for me is how awesome he is on the bike. Now the cool thing with these three athletes is they would be going head to head all day. So if you go Frodo versus Keenley versus Sanders, they're going to be spread all over the highway on the bike and it's just going to roll out differently. With these three, they'll come out of this one together they'd probably bike together and then it'll just come down to see who's got what, whatever left on the run and I just think the way that Frodo has transformed his bike uh, I'd probably put my money on him and just looking at Brownlee he's probably going to go and prove us all wrong and just absolutely crush it and go 750 or something like that And Kona when he gets there but you just I just wonder about his running over an iron distance race um He's so springy, and he may be fantastic, but um, I just, I think, if I was, even if, if you said, give me 100 bucks to put on one, at the moment, I'm not Frodo.
0: Yeah, you've yeah. got to give it to Frodo right now, just because of his proven record, and we don't know enough about those other two, but if the other two can prove to be consistent Ironman athletes, I would go for Brownlee. But we're just Mm -hmm. we're just in that mystery period, aren't we? I think this time, late next year, late you know 2018, we'll have a much better idea of how Gomez and Brownlee, you know, and Gomez has proven himself a little bit more because he's raced longer, more often. So, um, but yeah, you know, if you're going pure athlete, you're saying Brownlee, aren't you? But it's just a mystery about how they're going to handle the longer course, which is why next year could be one of the most exciting years ever in Ironman history.
1: If if they're all
0: racing, it'll be awesome. Yeah, it would be pretty fantastic. Okay, John, this week's discussion is a pretty good one. So the Mountain Snail sent through a really good article from Stuff, which is a New Zealand website, basically saying there's been a drug that's proven to prevent athletes from hitting the wall. And it's basically, it's interesting, actually, because it's more about switching off the mind, really, isn't it? Did you read the article? John, I skimmed it. Did you read it? Yeah, yeah, I did, and it was it was kind of more saying it was, um, yeah, I read it a while ago. I can't remember exactly. I didn't read it. I didn't read it today, but I didn't read it. But it was kind of almost like tricking the mind, really, and giving the mind the ability to push further where it didn't feel as hard. And uh, and basically, the discussion we might want to have around that is where do we see this in the sport? Or how, do you, how do you want to do the discussion?
1: Oh, no. What tools? Do, what tools do you use in your head to get yourself through the, the really tough parts of the race? You know, typically, you, you know, you might be bonking at, you know, thirty k of the run. If it's a if it's a marathon, you know, that thirty k mark, whether it's it's just it gets so much harder when you pass you go through that point. And what this article is kind of saying is, it's often we associate that with. Um, with not having enough nutrition or having not trained enough but what it's really saying is there is an activation in the brain that basically is just switching you off and so you can take this drug or the or, or i think that's what stimulated this discussion for the mountain now is if you don't want to take this drug and but you just want to work on your mental conditioning when you get to those really tough moments and put all your sports nutrition and everything to one side what is it that helps you get through those really tough moments when you are in deep shit? Basically, what do you use to get through them?
0: What's really fascinating if you look at the study? So it was published by Sydney and um, by University of Sydney, and basically saying it, it it basically stops the brain, it allows the brain to keep pushing forward. But they did some some tests on mice. And pretty, pretty impressive. So they saw their ability to increase their running ability from 160 minutes to 270 minutes straight without any additional endurance training. That's impressive. <laughs> that's, that's pretty massive. Now that's, like, that's not just a 2% increase. That's huge. Mm. So, so,
1: What do you guys use when the crap hits a fan in a race? How do you get through it and uh, keep pushing?
0: Okay, and don't use drugs. Let's just let's just clarify that. Okay, John Diet Wars. Boom. So Here we go. Yes, here just let's open this like
1: door it. again. Let's open the store because uh, low low carb, high fat is out the window. It's <laughs> completely changed. Change. So this this I know this research came out earlier this year. So there's a a, a female from Australia, Louise Burke, uh, and she is or was the nutritionist for sort of the new, the Australian high performance program, Olympic programs, etc. And she's come out with some research where they did it on. Um, their speed walkers over there and very much she, what she's saying our research found that athletes who consumed carbohydrate targeted diets made performance gains after their training block whereas a group who cons- consumed consumed low carb high fat diet failed to improve their race times even though they had become more aerobically fit um, was one of the key points when you're trying to be as fast as possible over sustained periods of time, it just makes sense to burn carbohydrates because you're going to get more bang for the oxygen that your muscle can deliver, says Professor Burke. Um, the science scientists were not trying to make these athletes better fat burners, even though they had fat to burn. They were trying to make them better carbohydrate users. So what? What I'd love to see, and if anybody can point me in the right direction, is if anybody's done a bit more study on long-course athletes that are more, your average Joe Bloggs athletes, because so much of this research is done on high-performing athletes, and what I'd love to see is some sort of more middle-of-the-road, Ironman-specific type research rather than Olympic-level uh speed walkers so what her research was basically saying is if you want to get faster this is paraphrasing a little bit yep. if you want to get faster you really need to have a fairly carbohydrate rich diet um what and, i can count- and it's you- also
0: saying is because it, co- it takes more oxygen to to use uh, fat as energy so you actually are better just to have carbohydrate
1: and if you are doing the, 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 the high-fat diet, it can actually, in some circumstances, inhibit your ability to become good at using carbohydrates. Maybe we
0: should try to get her on.
1: I have. I did email her ages ago, but I think it was about the time when the Olympics was on. Okay. So, um, yeah, hopefully she's trying to promote this. So, yeah, so that's one side of the research. What I keep coming back to with the low-carb, high-fat is if you're somebody that has really struggled with your race nutrition – um, I think it's a fantastic opportunity to become better at your fat burning. Now, you're not going to get necessary performance gains. You might not move your FTP. You might not become a better 10-kilometer runner. And over a short-distance triathlete, you might not be improving your performance. But if you're looking specifically at Ironman and if nutrition has been the one thing that has basically been screwing you, assuming you've been getting your pacing right – then actually going down a path where you can actually get by without consuming quite so much I think is a really sensible thing to do. And I remember interviewing um, the German fella. He finished uh, fourth in uh, in Kona last year, uh, and his name alludes. Peter, Peter
0: someone. Wasn't it Peter?
1: No, it was not, Peter someone. His name eludes me right now. Okay. Uh, but I was talking to him about it, and he's managed to reduce how much he's having during the race, and he's actually feeling a lot better for it, and he's not having so much stomach discomfort on the run. So that's why that's the angle that I'm really intrigued about, is uh, is trying to get through an iron distance race where you don't have stomach upsets, and if you can get by with having a little bit less, then wonder,
0: that's all good. I wonder what percentage of the field actually have stomach upsets like I know I know it's quite a few but I wonder you know like because a lot of people blame st- bad stomach from bad pacing you know mm-hmm. and so it's really hard to get an accurate measure of what the real problem is that that's that's one of the biggest problems of Man, isn't it? is that there's so many variables that can cause a blowing up um and so you know there's obvious people who you know basically going to crap themselves so there's you know there's that level but I wonder what percentage of the field that's a real problem for
1: Oh, look, I think it'd be pretty significant. Mm. You know, um, it's just it's part of the part of the mystery of Man trying to get that nutrition puzzle right. So, if, if, for those people that have struggled, I reckon this is a really still a really good viable option to to go down. And for me, for my own personal um, nutrition I'm still following a a, a pretty relatively low carbohydrate diet. certainly not doing the ketosis stuff on a frequent basis but it's all about experimentation and finding out what works best for you and I'm finding it works really good for for me um, in terms of you know I could now go out and do a five-hour bike ride with no nutrition, which I would never have been able to do before. And, uh, yeah, I'm still still playing around with it. So certainly not throwing but the it out the second study you,
0: you've got in here, so this one is Enhanced Endurance Performance by periodizing of Carbohydrate Intake. And and their conclusion, or do you want to describe that one? Yeah,
1: so they they had a small group of athletes. They had 21 and it's a bit too athletes, small, really, isn't it? Oh, most studies are, are, are usually not going to be that great, uh, huge amounts. And that's why you've always got to take – these studies with a grain of salt and wait for somebody to do a bit of a analysis on a whole bunch of studies and then start forming your opinions on that so yeah. this is another one to, to look at and go hey that's interesting maybe i'll i'll try a couple of these um, points myself so they had a group of 21 triathletes great so they're actually looking at triathletes and i've got to say uh, john ballard sent this through to me and it was done by ylm sports science and what they found was it, it, When you talk about um, high-altitude training, you often talk about um, staying high and training, uh, sleep high, train low. They've kind of brought this across to, to nutrition. And what they're saying is, Sleeping low and what's what they're meaning by that is is not having much nutrition at the end of the day, and so you're going to bed um, without having a massive big dinner, which a lot of us do, and then training high, so you'll actually do your your um, high interval sessions when you've got more carbohydrates available, and they've found that to be really effective. So they've Wait got. Wait a second.
0: Little, so you train earlier in the day once you've got your carbohydrate, and then post post training you not do much or not consume much carbohydrate. Uh.
1: No, so I'll I'll go through the study. So basically the athletes were all consuming about six kilograms, six grams of carbohydrate um, per kilogram of body weight per day, but with different timings over the day to manipulate carbohydrate availability before and after training sessions. So the sleep sleep low group, they would do their high interval training sessions in the evening when they've got their carbohydrate okay. that they've been eating during the day. And then overnight, they would have carbohydrate restrictions so they'd have a smaller dinner. And then the train low sessions would be with low carbohydrate levels in the morning. So okay. easier training sessions in the morning, Eat your food during the day with some carbohydrate in it, and then do your sort of more key sessions in the afternoon with better carbohydrate availability. And what they found was pretty much consistent across the board that the athletes that did the training in the afternoon with better carbohydrate availability performed better across uh, their 10 kilometer splits were between negative two and two percent better compared to the control group that were zero to two percent better. But probably the key. Change here was the time to exhaustion at 150% of peak aerobic power. The sleep low group was 12.5 to 19% better, as opposed to control group were 1 to 12% better. And their cycling efficiency improved from 11, between 11 and 15% as opposed to 1 to 9% for the control group. And their fat mass also decreased more. Lean lean mass didn't change too much. So I think there is some whilst this study here is, is, is much more about periodizing and restricting your carbohydrate intake. There is some crossover between these two studies showing that we do, you know, having carbohydrate is important. And I think most people who, um, prescribe the low carb, high fat diets are still saying, take in as much carbohydrate as you can during the race. And, but uh, around that you're going to restrict it in other areas of your life. So, uh, yeah, interesting
0: stuff. Mm, well, it kind of goes down to that kind of. I mean, when I when I first started personal training, I did my study, and even that study you just reinforced that stuff. You know, when are you going to train? When do you need your food? Was you know, kind of, mm. it's it's just basically saying that, isn't it?
1: It is, and it's and what kind it's of about training? About changing lifestyles as well, because in in the New Zealand diet, New Zealand family setup, your big meal of the day is at dinner time, um, and it's about trying to trying to change that, manipulate that a little bit, so you're having bit more of your main meals during the day and then having a much lighter dinner, which is not always that practical in a family setting, but you know, if you've got that ability to change that around, then that's great. So just s- the summary of that study says these results reinforce the growing evidence that carbohydrate availability is a potent mediator in the adaptive response to endurance training and that a- periodizing it with training program to include both sessions with high fuel support to promote high quality high-intensity training and sessions slash recovery. Promoting enhanced metabolic adaptation can lead to a superior training outcome.
0: Good times rock and roll. You've got, you've got a section here called Helping Bevan. How are you Helping help Bevan, me? New,
1: new section. Oh, now, you go. mentioned this last week, and Finn Zweiger sent through a website to go and check out. He did a course on heart rate variability, so you've been doing that fairly religiously by the sound of yep, it good. and not wanting to wake up. Joe, in the morning, I remember you saying that, and he said he did a study at com slash HRV, and he said that for people who've got a very low heart rate, such as yourself, they've said uh, endurance athletes, if your heart rate is less than 55 beats per minute, your resting heart rate, if you're which, doing it. Which would be a lot of us. Here, mm-hmm, then doing it seated is a good idea, but in rare cases, and I think Finn said his heart rate was like... Th- 36 Uh, 36 then in rare cases like that taking your heart rate your resting heart rate standing up can be a better measure uh and there you go so we've actually got some proof there from mike t nielsen phd saying that it is okay to take it standing in cases like yourself if you've got extremely low heart rate there we
0: go well i have to stand up in the morning i stand up and go joe i'm doing it now (laughs) <laughs> yeah, turn the light on, shine it in her face. <laughs> yeah, She'll love it.
1: Sponsor. com. They have their new beta. Beta is it? Beta or beta?
0: Be- beta. Beta. Yeah. Wow.
1: In New Zealand, we say better.
0: Because we are better. <laughs>
1: Exactly. Uh, so they've got this testing now, so you can go onto to and I like the look of it. The layout is nice and clean and fresh, and so I went on to the uh, 70.3 results from Kona from last year, and the cool thing about it is get your little face up there. If you you look down the results, you can uh, see which athletes are actually, which athletes are on Athlinks because they've got their little profile photo next to their name. And then you can click onto them and find out uh, a little bit more about those people. So I know that if I'm going to be racing this year, chances are Kevin Cody's over there most year. I think he listens to the show still. He finished third last year behind Brett Tingay. But what I can do, click on Kevin Cody, Find out uh, all the details you need to know. So go check out Ethlinks' their beta, a beta version of their site. Give them a bit of feedback on things you like, things you don't like. Um, but it just looks like overall a nice, clean look. So give them some feedback.
0: And and they are looking for feedback. So if you are going to the website right now, you know that they're in a beta. Basically, means it's not complete. We're just still figuring out exactly what the finished product's going to be like. And so what they're looking at is they're just going to get some feedback. So, you know, you guys are regular users of Ethlink, so go check it out. And then, you know, if you've got some ideas that you think can help them improve what they're doing, there's a little link, little kind of button down the bottom of the page. Click on that, and you can share some of your thoughts on maybe ways that you think that they can improve what they're doing. We think they're doing a pretty great job, but, you know, everyone can improve. So you can check that out at Ethlinks.com. Jombo, we are gonna interview.
1: We have to caught up with Laura Siddell last week, and she won Ironman Australia uh, the week before last, her debut Ironman victory. And it seems kind of odd that I was uh, doing a Skype interview with her when she lives about Maybe a kilometre. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Well, she lives even closer to you. She just lives down the bottom of the hill. Oh, but she's wow. actually leaving today when we we're recording the show, and I wanted to catch up with her before she left, figure out why she's been doing so many races. She's done Challenge Wanaka, she's done Ironman New Zealand, she's done Australia. now Ironman Australia. She's done a bunch of seventy, well, a couple of seventy point threes, and uh, she also did an Iron Distance Race Tailing of last year. So it's been go go go, and uh, yeah, she's got some interesting points and things that are coming up this year
0: right, here's laura siddle there it is now
1: right here, guys um the weekend before last we had ironman australia and we had what we know as a complete dojo domination by laura siddle who took out her first ironman race and uh, she's had a pretty hectic season racing so far this year so we we're really keen to hear about that you would have heard a bit from her and Monica, but uh ironman australia want to hear all about it so welcome back to the show laura
2: Thank you. Thanks for having me back.
1: So, um, the weekend before, you obviously took out Ironman Australia. You know, talk us talk us through your day. I know you weren't leading out of the swim, but sort of talk us through your your swim, bike, run and how it all panned out.
2: Yeah, so, um, you know, there's only five of us um, at the start of the day for the, for the women's field, but um, we kind of all set off on the swim together and I think um, Karen was just sort of gauging – how the rest of us were swimming, and, um we we're all sort of pretty together. i was I was pretty happy. I sort of placed myself on her feet because I knew she was she was the faster swimmer and was comfortably sitting with her. And I think we got to about two hundred meters, and she decided, oh, I'm having enough of this and put on a bit of a sprint and up to the pace. So off Karen went into the distance. Um, I, I guess the swim it was a pretty solid swim for me. Um I don't think it was quite what i was hoping for in terms of the work that i've been doing and sort of where we're at but you know it's a it's a work in progress the swimming isn't isn't my strength so it's taking sort of a lot of time and effort to to improve in that area and i am seeing improvements but it's just a case of sort of converting that consistently into the race so um and the swim's always fun in in port macquarie because i think you have to go you have to climb over a weir Mm. uh, um oh gosh I'm not sure how far into the race but you sort of out the water up and over some steps back in the water at the other side and then again do the same on the way back so makes it a little bit more interesting which is always good fun um I think I came out the water maybe about six minutes down or four or five minutes down from from Karen in the lead and um Michelle Gailey was maybe a minute in front of me as well um and got on got onto the bike and you know, it was just about the whole day was just about racing my race and trying to convert the training and, and into that performance that i I knew was there um so onto the bike it was just about you know trying to find that rhythm and get settled and and, and get going um as soon as I could um it was good sort of the first 10 um, k on the bike is pretty pretty hilly so actually for me, it's good. It gives me a bit of time to put some load into the legs and sort of wake them up into into good race mode. And I I caught Michelle um, on one of the one of the hills out of ta- town, um, and then set about chasing down down Karen, who was in the lead. And um, was really lucky. I was getting time splits and kept hearing that I was sort of taking taking a minute out of her at, and so on. So I knew I was making good progress. And I, I felt I just felt really good on the bike for the for the first lap I sort of found a groove and was making pretty good progress and the numbers numbers were pretty good um so I was happy with that and I caught Karen about the 35k mark I think um funnily enough I actually overtook the lead the lead motorcycle as well they <laughs> completely missed me overtaking Karen and and overtaking them and still led out Karen who was obviously then in second for about 10k further on the bike as I sort of <laughs> headed off in front which is quite amusing um until a Ste- um Steph Hansen from Witsup sort of came past and was like you're in the lead aren't you and I was like yeah and she's like right I'll go back and tell the lead motorbike who's leading second place at the moment yeah yeah um and, and yeah and just you know I just kind of the, t- the, the time it had taken me to catch Karen I sort of you know, did some quick maths, and so, okay, I want to try and put, obviously, you want to try and put as much time into your competitors as you can, so I just sort of set myself a a rough goal of, let's see, let's see if we can get 20 minutes on them, it sort of took me, you know, five minutes on to catch a, on this leg, and so let's see if we can do sort of five minutes each segment kind of thing, and and also, I, I knew what the bike course record was, I knew I was sort of pretty on track for that at that point, and was keen to to chase that to some extent
1: are you riding to power or are you riding to perceived effort with you know keeping an eye on power
2: um yeah a bit of both really so i i have power um i knew what i know what the numbers are that we're aiming for for me to do in a in a full distance race but i wasn't getting log- bogged down by that if that makes sense so
1: hmm.
2: i wasn't I was keeping an eye on it just to see what the numbers are like but I was more trusting sensations on the day Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and just trying to ride the course and the terrain well and not worry too much about the numbers but just making sure I was yeah I was riding well um and um yeah coming back into town you got Matthew Flinders Hill so I don't know if anyone who's been over there it's it's a 15% gradient at at points, but it, it, it's not too long. But it's it's a bit like um, Solaraberg and Roth, you know. Just yeah. all the all the spectators are up there, and so you get a real buzz going up there. Um, the second lap, um, it wasn't. I didn't feel. I still felt like I was progressing well, but I think you know that's where I kind of was having a quick look at numbers, and they it sort of. Dropped a little bit, but I was still knew I was making pretty good, pretty good progress. Um, coming, coming on, coming back onto uh, Matthew Flinders on the second lap. I was sort of quite looking, looking forward to to getting back there. I mean, the the course is really good in Port Macquarie. There's lots of spectators out and about at different sections, which is nice. Um, but I, I don't know. We were pretty spread out by the time you're coming back so you're not really seeing that many people so I was quite looking forward to sort of getting to Matthew Flinders and seeing lots of support again and you you, you come around the corner and look at this sort of 15% hill in front of you and then it was absolutely empty because everyone had already gone to the finish or uh. to the- <laughs> so I was like oh I've got to get up there on my own okay <laughs> um so yeah and then started the run and I really didn't know at that point where I was in relation to the other to the other women um the last split I'd had was that I was about 13 minutes ahead but it was kind of really approximate and I guess I'd still got about 35k to go at that point Mm. um but just you know it was still it was all about um finding my rhythm my race just sort of bringing what I can do um and again felt you know felt really good at the start of the run, which was, you know, I hadn't had that quite that same feeling in Taupo. I sort of struggled on the first lap in Taupo to find, find my run. Um, but here, um, found a rhythm pretty, pretty quickly and felt really, felt really good, felt really comfortable. Um, again, the, the, the course it's four laps, um, which is brutal because you go past the finish line eight times, um, twice per lap. But it means that the crowd, again, crowd support, there's there's never really a a quiet moment on that run course, which is obviously just fantastic. Um, and when I was, I'd done sort of half the first lap and I was coming back past transition and Michelle, who was then in, in second place, she was coming out of transition. So I had a, and I, split then that it was about eighteen, nineteen minutes and obviously had a visual so I kind of knew knew where I was. Um but you know that you know it just it was just a case of I wanted a really good run because I'd been running pretty well in training so I was excited to kind of see what I could could execute. Um going on to the second lap past the same point um I knew I was pretty much holding the same time to to Michelle, sort of hadn't made any Huge amounts of difference, and then on the third and fourth lap, even though I know I, I struggled a bit and and the pace dropped off a little bit, I knew I was I hadn't dropped off as much as the rest, and I was actually back to putting putting a bit of time into them. So, um, yeah, sort of obviously super super happy to take the win. Um, yeah, just trying to process that and let it all sink in. Has been, you know, it's only really been the last day since getting back to Christchurch and just. Sitting down and talking to people, that it started to to sink in, probably, or I've started to sort of, yeah, remember and enjoy the the first few days after back in port, sort of after winning, were were pretty crazy. Mm. Um, Performance wise, on the whole, um, there's you know it wasn't. I'm happy with the performance. I'm obviously proud of it, but there was still lots of elements that um, weren't what I'd have liked and weren't sort of what we were. I guess, hoping for from the the training I'd been doing. But, you know, that's the that's the exciting thing. And that's the positive that there's still plenty to improve on. Um, And so that's what I'll, I'll take that going forward.
1: So, what's the sort of what's yeah? You know, what you said you're just processing it at the moment. What, how does it feel for you? You know, winning a race, having a, having a solid day at the office, compared to you know maybe one of your other races where you might have been second, third, or fourth, where you've absolutely nailed it and felt like you've had the the best race you could on the day. Is it is it is it a a different sort of feeling?
2: Yeah, it is. It's a really interesting one. I was talking about that feeling the other day because. You know, as a professional athlete, we all talk about we want that. And not just as a professional, but as an athlete, you all want that, you know, that ultimate performance where you you put everything out there on the day and it just comes out as your, you've got the most out of your body that you possibly can. And, you know, and if that brings you in in a race in 10th, then you've still got to be happy with that because that was the best performance you gave. And, you know, you just got beaten by better people on the day. Um and so I think, you know, the performances where I have been second or third, not all of them, but some of them I'm incredibly proud of because they were they were good performances. And I and I did get beaten by a world class athlete. Um, and you have those discussions about is it is it the winning or is it just about getting that performance and the most out of your body? And most of the time, I think people probably say and I do as well. It's that, you know, you just want to get the most out of your own your own body and your own performance and if that's all being put on the line on the day you know you'll just deal with whatever the result is but I tell you what there's something flipping awesome (laughs) about crossing that finish line first and actually winning um even when perhaps it's not that full performance Mm.
0: um
2: so it is actually it's a really interesting sort of psychology to think about um yeah I mean it was it was an amazing feeling it really was um I keep trying to relive those last few meters like down the finish shoot and just try and take it all in again I'm you know I'm just trying to sort of sort through messages and stuff from friends and I'm trying to find all the videos and things of that finish line just so I can try and absorb it again um mm-hmm. Because although you kind of think about it and you dream about it, when it actually happens, it's, I don't know, it just sort of feels like it goes by in a bit of a flash. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's definitely still things like I'm still striving for that day and that time when you get that, you get that performance when you just know you've got everything, every ounce of energy and everything out of, out of, your, out of your body. And yeah, they're, they're, they're both drivers and they're both motivators, but very slightly different feelings and experiences
1: so if, if you want I know over iron distance in terms of the record I've got in front of me you know most of your results have been podiums um have you actually had any sort of international wins other than you know your, your smaller local races but have you had any sort of international wins like this before um over maybe the half distance that I'm not aware of
2: um I won a half distance in Poland last year in Chal- challenge Poznan so the right. challenge half distance race um But a hugely different experience. I mean, um, it was, uh, I was doing the half distance, but there was actually a full distance on that day. And we'd started at lunchtime, which was fantastic. Um, But um, we were sort of coming in within the full distance. And it was there, I mean, the main event was the full distance. And unfortunately as well, during that race, my timing chip didn't work. So they had no idea where I was all day and no idea that pretty much sort of hardly got announced across the line and and um I didn't have you know I didn't know anybody at the race so I sort of crossed crossed the line just as I guess uh any other athlete would do no no kind of fanfare
1: yeah.
2: uh, and sort of just wandered off to recovery and it was all very very weird and odd and then I just went I don't really know anyone here so I'm just going to go back to my hotel and-, <laughs> <laughs> and things like that and um sort of skyped home and spoke to my parents from there And I, and I did go back to to the finish to watch the last bit of the full distance coming in again but um yeah a bit of a different experience and so being back in Australia sort of which is where um triathlon started for me and in fact excuse me Port Macquarie was the first ever half distance 70.3 distance I ever did Mm. as a as an age grouper um and so yeah coming back and and racing Ironman Australia with the history that it has and just having so many people there that friends that had come up from Sydney, friends that I know from obviously the triathlon, you know, in Australia around the world, people were racing the half, people were racing the full on the day, but then, you know, stayed around to watch and just, it was pretty special with people that have seen, seen me and knew me as I started the sport as as a complete beginner and then we're there to witness the race and and the win Mm -hmm. um so yeah this will definitely be the one that the one that i kind of feel is the first and the the big one with it being a a full distance and and the ironman australia title
1: now we caught i caught up with you and and wanaka and um and that was sort of Fairly early in the season for you, but bloody hell, it's only May, and you've uh, you've had a pretty full on time since then. So maybe just run us through, you know, what you've done so far this year.
2: Yeah, so um, I feel it probably started. The year started sort of December 2016. So I, I've been based in New Zealand over the summer, and I'm absolutely absolutely love it here. So hopefully, I'll be back here next summer as well. Um, but started, I guess, with Taupo 70.3. Um, and raced there and and got a close second place there. And then start of twenty seventeen, yes, kicked my year off with with Challenge Wanaka, which is just a it's just a favourite race. I absolutely love it there. It, it's so it's so stunning and fantastic, and the course is brutal but really good at the same time. Um, and was was second there at Challenge Wanaka um, again by about twenty twenty or thirty seconds to Yvonne um and two weeks later did the did the new zealand double so after challenge wanaka went up to ironman new zealand in taupo and raced there um managed another second place um but again another sort of performance off the back of wanaka that I was pretty happy with and and took lots of learning away from that and i guess the learning i took from those two races was the reason for then deciding to do ironman australia because i felt I'd got some good performances that I was pleased with and happy with but I also took some learning that I wanted to improve and execute on in the next race. So that set me up for then racing Ironman Australia. Um but actually in the in between Taupo and and Australia I took a last minute decision um to race Challenge Melbourne which was a half distance. So that was about 4 weeks ago about a month ago. Um I was actually riding around the Port Hills and and just stopped for a coffee in Littleton and um yeah, out on a four hour ride and sort of got a message saying would I be interested in racing and that was Friday morning so got yeah. home got home, checked flights, had a quick chat to my coach and three PM booked a flight out of Christchurch to Melbourne and two hours later was on my way to the airport. Nice. Um so and that and that was good. It was something I wouldn't normally do. I'm an engineer. I'm logical. I like planning. I write like lists. I like everything to be sort of structured and ordered. So to kind of take that leap and do something a little bit out of my comfort zone was was actually really cool and really good. And again, another learning opportunity. Um, again, I came second there, <laughs> um, which and then yeah, and then raced Ironman Australia, which was kind of that next goal uh, a couple of weeks ago. So yeah, I don't think there's probably many people that have done, I guess, four races or three full distance um, in such a already in early in the year. Obviously, the the Northern Hemisphere is just starting their race season now, so it's where it starts to get busy over there. Um, for me, what does the rest of the year look like? I in the middle of sort of packing up uh, things here in New Zealand, and on Monday I migrate north because. Uh, I don't think I can cope with the Christchurch winter. <laughs> don't blame uh, you. <laughs> uh, yeah, I like, I like to chase summer. So, um, and now it's starting to get a bit cold. So I'm going to migrate north and find the sun again. Um, I'm going to go fly first to San Francisco just to touch base with my coach, Matt Dixon, who's over there just for a couple of days and sort some things out. But then pretty much head to head to the UK and uh stay in the UK for a few days and catch up with family and my mom and dad and my sisters and things like that. And then I've got a busy, yeah, it doesn't really stop. I've, um, I've got a s- busy summer over there racing the challenge series in Europe, which I'm really excited about. So mostly half distances um, there, but I will do challenge Roth. And I guess challenge Roth is the, the next big, big goal. I want to have a really good race there. Um, but I will do a series of the challenge half races in and around there which I'm super excited about you know I it's been a while since I've been sort of in Europe we used to family family there as a kid but obviously being overseas and in the southern hemisphere haven't been back for a while for any length of time so excited to get back there excited to experience some different races in Europe I love like just the different cultures and different feeling you get in each of those countries and you know I've got You know, racing the championship, which is Slovakia, which will be fantastic. Then Challenge Herning, which is Denmark, Um, then Challenge Roth. And then I've got the new Distant uh, Challenge Roma in Italy, Challenge Prague and finish off the year with Challenge Austria. So pretty excited about the little little European tour there. And then, um, yeah, and then it'll be focused on, on Kona at the end of the year. So how important
1: is Kona? Because, you know, obviously you've done it in a way now where I'm pretty sure you've got enough points to yeah. um, to go to Kona without too much, uh, you know, not having to chase any mid-season yeah. points. So it was that part of the plan? And how important is Kona to you?
2: Yeah, that was the plan. We wanted to try and qualify as early on in the year as I could. That meant I could then sort of put the Ironman to bed, so to speak, and and have fun and focus on the challenge Series in Europe over summer, so yeah, Port Macquarie helped that. So pretty sure I'm safe on points now, uh, which is fantastic, and it means I can just yeah go go to Europe and focus on Roth and 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 have some have some good races on those Challenge Series events. Um, how important is Kona to me? Um, I, yeah, I want to go and race. It's you know it is the the Ironman World Championships. It is seen as the pinnacle of our of our sport and. I've been there to watch a few times and I am keen as a professional to race it, but am I putting all my eggs in the Kona basket? Definitely not. Um, you know, I think the, I think the course will, the course is suited to me, uh, particularly the bike course, um, are the conditions probably not. So we're going to have to do sort of quite a lot of work to, to manage that. Um, you know, it's. I'd like. You know. The goal. Yeah. Will be to have a have a good day there as well, and and hopefully be in that top ten. But it's. I don't think it's. I'm not the athlete that is going to put all my attention and focus on that one race every year. There's there's just too many other races that are probably better suited to me. Although I want to do and have fun. You know. Like I said, Challenge Roth is fantastic. I love Challenge Wanaka, um, and so I want to keep those those race options. Um, it is hard with Kona because a lot of sponsors put the pressure on you to go to Kona in terms of that's how you can get a, you know your performance bonuses or, or a little bit more money from them. And it's an interesting argument because you go, okay, so you'd prefer me to go to Kona and potentially finish 30th or 20th. And so you're going to get nothing from that. Whereas if I don't go to Kona, I could go and race four or five other races, podium or win, but you're not interested. And it does like, seem yeah. odd
1: because from a spectator's point of view, <laughs> I wouldn't want yeah. to tell you who was fifth through tenth even in Kona. I mean um yeah. and I don't I don't think they would have got any coverage on the no. day. Uh so yeah, it is it is an odd one, other than doing the, the pre race appearances, it's yeah. um it seems a bit odd.
2: It is, that's right. And you know, so it's a it's a bizarre thing, but it's, Sponsors and companies and brands still put so much focus on Kona um, that it makes it it makes it quite tricky and hard. And, and you have that argument or you have that conversation, but they're just so, you know, it's it's got such a pull and attraction amongst the age groupers. Um, I mean, I think you've seen you'll probably see this year that some of the top professionals are actually turning away from it, which is interesting mm-hmm. Um so, yeah, so for me, yes, it's a race I want to do and I give it a lot of respect and obviously it's the World Championships and and it's Kona and, and that's, yeah, I want to go there and, and have a race. But, you know, I've, like we've said, I've got a, i have like we have said i have got I will have had a very busy year leading up into it. Um, so we're obviously going to manage that really carefully to make sure I'm still in, still sort of refreshed by the time I get there. Um but if it means, you know, for me, if there was a race to two or four weeks out, probably not a full, but a half, then I'd probably go and do it mm. um, before Kona because I'm not going to make it into this and this big race that you're going to put all your hopes and dreams on because it just there's so much that can go wrong at that race. Mm. just it. one
1: other thing you, you talked about that doing the challenge series and, and I know that they've got a, a bit of a prize pool bonus now for people that that do that is um is doing that sort of something that you've uh, decided yourself or a challenge sort of trying to get um more athletes to actually participate in, in a series of their events obviously you do it already but is that yeah. something that they're trying to target or was that sort of something led by yourself
2: um, I, this was something that I led. I saw, I saw that they did the the European series last year. Um, and just thought it was a great opportunity, um, to do a series of their events and obviously have be able to include Roth in that. So it was something that I started planning, but I think if you look at the professionals that are going over to do the European series of races this year, it's got a lot more traction you know last year was the first year they sort of had that additional prize purse Mm. and I think it probably went under the radar quite a bit and then it's suddenly this year a few people have woken up to the fact that oh that's actually quite a good little little series I you know over there where I can at the end of it have potentially a little bit more of a bonus Mm. um depending on results so you know like the Wertels are going over there which I think is a pretty big sign and they don't think going to Kona this year and and things like that, but I have then spoken with Challenge and working with them to kind of try and draw up a, you know, what are the best races to do over that series, and how can we work together? Hmm, uh, cool. I, I, it was, it, I mean, oh, I can say it now anyway because it was announced. It, it was mentioned on social media the other day. I'm actually a Challenge ambassador for the European Series this year. Nice. Um Excellent. So whilst it was me initiating saying, oh, I'd love to come over and do some races, it was then a case of right, how can we work together to to do this? Excellent.
1: Now with that, uh, I've got all your run splits and your splits in front of me here, there's yeah. this great website, trisplits.com, um, and you yeah. typically sort of seem to be around the 3.10 to 3.15 yeah. sort of mark on the run. What do you, yeah. what do you think you've got, other than Roach, you did 3.05 last year, um, yeah. what are, what, are you, what are you sort of hoping for this year in, in Roche, and in Roach and do you think you can sort of get down to three hours flat?
2: Yeah, I mean, look, to be competitive on against the best women in the world over that full distance, you really need to be running a 3 3-hour three marathon at the end off off the bike. Um we at the moment I'm aiming for just trying to be in that consistent about the 307 sub 310 mark, which everything in training has been indicating that it's it's there and it can be done. Um I think, you know, the the last three races have all been around that 313 you know Wanaka it's just a challenging Mm. slurish marathon course uh Taupo probably was feeling the effects probably in the legs of of Wanaka and then I think you know talking to to Matt my coach I, I felt really good on the first half of the the marathon and think I was probably on on about track for 310 um or just maybe creeping under but um think then yeah just the culmination of the other two races probably just started to creep in which meant i sort of was around that 313 again um so the aim going forward like is definitely to get to be consistent you know i'd love to be consistently running that 307 type pace and then on you know on a good day or the faster courses to be dipping under that and getting as close as i can to three hours for sure Mm.
1: Yes. Well, we could have a nice little jewel and rote, I think, because uh, <laughs> because I think I've got a five minute head start on you, and uh, I think oh, that's
2: oh, well, that's another controversy, isn't it? Because you're in this the nice. <laughs> Sub two hour group which get to go before the pro women this
1: year, yeah. So I think Unless I'll, I'll out swim you, you'll uh, you'll peg me back and probably pass me on the bike, and then it will come down to the runs. So you went eight fifty one fifty cool. nine 59 last year, it's gonna yep. be a bit slower this year with a different run course, yeah. And uh, and hopefully I can be under under nine, so we may uh, we may oh, be I'm in fine. pretty close proximity on the run.
2: There we go, we might have a running buddy, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All awesome. Well.
1: Well, enjoy your final few days in Christchurch. And if people want to follow you, you know, what's the, the best means for them to do that?
2: Um, yeah, Twitter, which is at LM and Instagram at LM Sid, um, or Facebook and things like that. Facebook, it's not an official athlete page, it's just my own personal page. So appreciate if you do want to follow me or connect on Facebook just send me a message as well just say who you are and you listen to the podcast or something like that yeah because if I don't get anything I tend to not not accept people but I I probably will yeah I don't know thinking about whether I do an athlete page and that sort of thing but yeah but yeah Instagram and Twitter is probably the best best thing and and that and that sort of thing but yeah feel you know if anyone sees me at races I love love chatting and catching up and hearing their stories so feel free to come and say hello
1: Fantastic. Well, enjoy your final few days here. Uh, the weather is looking okay today, so um, yeah, and we will see you over there in we Will
2: do. Thanks, John.
0: Okay, John, so Laura seems to be working pretty hard for her money right
1: now. She is indeed. And we've got to give a credit up to WitsUp for the photo that we're using on our website. So, Steph, uh, if, you, if you're really keen to follow a bit more of the female side of... Yeah, does a great job, doesn't she? Triathlon. Go check out witsup uh, .com. She's. I think she's doing a little bit of podcasting as well now. But really, they're just focusing on the elite female athletes. Well, female athletes. Full stop. But they do lots of profiles on the on the females she's doing a great jobs. So check it out. And she we used her photo on our website. It's looking good.
0: Witsup is it dot or is it dot com?
1: Uh, don't know off the top of my head, but I'm sure if you just put witsup, then you will be able to find it. Okay. Now. Um, what I would say is what's going to be really interesting to watch Laura's progress is she's following the European challenge circuit and I think that's great and it's just going to be interesting to see if pros do start turning off Kona a little bit more like she's doing. She's still going over there and racing but it's not her be all and end all and you know she's an honest top 10 competitor. If she has a good strong day she's got a good chance of top 10. You've struggle to think if she could get inside the top five for where she's at at the moment, but you never know. Um, But those athletes that, you know, are those potential top tens, potentially, you know, up to fifth or so, whether they do start changing their priorities a little bit and racing elsewhere. So I'm really interested to see how the challenge um, circuit goes and how Laura does. And I think it's a great business decision in terms of trying to to maximise your revenue. So good on her.
0: And it is com. so you can check that out there.
1: Okay, Jonbo, um, workout of the week. Tell me about it. Yeah, so Bevan bailed on me on my uh, my long run on Friday. Well, you... you Didn't
0: fit you, into his schedule. You, you, <laughs> you left it late. Because uh, after last week's show, I go, look, I'm keen. But probably prefer to do it in the morning. And he said, yeah, I'm free all day. So I was like, sweet, all good, in the hood. And then uh, I ring you the night before. You keen for 9 o'clock? You go, no, nah, I'm going to what? 4 Schedules, schedules changing.
1: Uh, You know, I started at just after three o'clock. So plan was last week, this was my workout of the week, was to run three hours at marathon pace. Uh, And that just happens to me, to equal a marathon. And some people go, what the hell are you doing running a marathon? At at a pace for you know it's a long way to run and you'll smoke yourself and what have you. Now the reasons I'm doing it and doing it now is we're about eight, around about eight weeks out from racing road and I've got a camp coming up the week after next, and when we do the camp in Kona, uh, there's not much running in terms of long-distance stuff, especially given you're in the Kona heat. Plus, I've got a race in there, so that kind of takes me out of doing you know, good-quality long runs for a good sort of two-and-a-half to three weeks given that going over there, doing the camp, and then doing the race and having to recover. So I need to get some good hard runs in my legs, and once I get back, you know, then it's going to be Probably five, four, five weeks out from the race, and then it's starting to get a little bit close. So that's one of the reasons why I'm doing some some key runs now, um, and why I'm actually doing it is twofold. Really, is I don't really get to do much racing, and people if you don't do much racing you need to do some bloody hard training because that's what gives you that real deep hardness in your legs and because I don't do that that's why I do some key sessions like this is I'm trying to toughen up my legs trying to do some good mental conditioning but the main reason is, is the toughening up of the legs and uh, and I know it's going to wipe me out for a few days afterwards and it certainly has done um, but that's the main rationale for for it for, for, for athletes that are more mid or back of the packers I wouldn't be suggesting you go Out and do you know a a four and a half hour run at uh, Ironman pace? Um, It's uh, from a coaching perspective, three to three and a half hours is about as long as I get um, most athletes to race. There's exceptions to that, but by and large, uh, I think if you start running longer than that, you're um, going to be. It's all cost. Yeah. Cost and risk analysis, and you're thinking the risk of, of injuring yourself running longer is, is a bit higher than than the gains you're actually gonna get. So and also I've been spending a lot more time of but late mar- been- But
0: but this isn't your marathon oh I am in marathon pace, sorry, okay. Yeah, so, yeah, so it's okay. it's it's not your us, marathon pace. No. And three no. hours is probably you know, you can pull off three hours without doing too much damage. It's not four and a half, yes. five hours.
1: Yeah, so I'm operating at a, you know, not operating at a super high intensity. Yeah. It's it's firm, but it's not nothing crazy. And also, I've been spending a lot of time focusing on my biking over summer. That was, you know, my bigger focus was on the bike. And last year was much more about the bike going over to Epic Camp in France. And so I haven't done a great deal of running. So I really need to pick up my game. Uh, so that was sort of the rationale behind why I was doing it. How I actually went out and did it. I did a 15 minute um, spin on the trainer before starting. So. Then I could basically boom straight into it and straight into pace I intentionally chose a pretty flat route not a hilly route a that means I can keep it keep the pace pretty even and B, when we're going over to race and rote, it is pretty flat um, and I am sticking with my run walk protocol for 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 rote and for, for my training so I run 12 minutes and walk 45 seconds so that sort of gets me going on a 3k cycle and I'm trying to average uh, four minutes 15 per K and a three hour marathon is is averaging four 17 per K. So, what that means for me factoring in the walking, I need to be running at around about 4 minutes 10 or just a little bit under per K, and then when I factor in the walking, then that takes my average out to around about that sort of 415 to 417. So, as it turned out, the result of the run. Didn't quite go as I'd hoped. So on Strava, your, your knee. What, what's up? Yeah. So so all all was pretty good. I ran the first. Uh, I did an out, ran out to Sumner, Bevan, and back, and for those guys that came over and did the camp over here when we did our 10-year celebration, sort of followed a pretty similar route to that. And so I got got to home, and I was at about 28 Ks at that stage. The old Philanator, um joined up with me at around about the 25 Ks, and nice to have a little bit of company, and all was going pretty well. I was sort of averaging about 4.14 per K pace, starting to feel a little bit, once you get to sort of, you know, you've been running at a reasonable pace for for about two hours, it's just starting to go, okay, concentration levels are starting to elevate a bit. Um, But then I carried on, I was heading out towards your place, Bevan, and then my knee sort of just started weakening on me at about the 30K mark, and then by 32Ks, I was like, if I keep going here, I think I can can do this, but at what cost? Yeah. my knee was basically collapsing the whole time. And so it was more of a fatigue issue than a, a really bad injury. But I thought, if I keep doing this, I'm going to really injure myself. Mm-hmm. So fortunately, I had to bail at 32Ks when I was on pace. Nutrition was, was, was pretty good, and, and I know I could have carried on. But had to bail and then just kind of hold home. And it was, uh, it was the right thing to do. Frustrating, but still the right thing to do. But Still got plenty out of the workout. So this is something that I would encourage a lot of you guys to do is plenty of running at your best case scenario Ironman pace. So I'll be doing you know, some more simulations where I run a, a half marathon off the bike, but in this case, wasn't quite able to do it, but still feel pretty good about it. Heart rate stayed pretty even and kind of the sensations I was having other than the sore knee meant that I felt I was uh, kind of on track. But uh, you do do still think, how the hell am I going to do this in a an uh, iron distance race? But you look at, then you start looking at heart rate and what have you, and go, yeah, that's that is sustainable if I you know have a great day.
0: So I suppose the question I have, probably another piece of advice that comes to this is knowing when to push through and when not to push through. You know, like mm-hmm. as you said, you could have got through and done the you know the extra ten k to get to the end of the run, but what was the cost? And and sometimes a lot of people in the sport, just think they must complete when often it's not the wisest thing to do and to have the, not even the courage, but just the wisdom to go, you know what? It's wiser for me to call it a day-to-day. And I'm not a failure because a lot of people see themselves as a failure if they do that. Mm. And and it's about disaster management at the
1: time. So I thought, I've got a bit of a sore knee coming on here. Um, let's just push on for a little bit. And then I stopped, had a quick stretch as well, just to try to loosen it off a bit. Thought, right, let's give myself a minute then carry on because you know sometimes you get those aches and pains when you're out training and they often go away yeah and you just got to push push through a little bit but you push through do a couple of you know um treatments to maybe try to get it right you know maybe give it a little bit of a rub or just stop and have a bit of a walk for a minute and or have a drink have a stretch carry on give it a bit of time to see if it'll loosen out and i gave it a good sort of two to three Ks to try to sort itself out and it wasn't. In that stage I thought, yeah, it's time to, time, to call it a day. So yeah, disappointing. And, and as you said, you don't want to be stopping as soon as you get a, something a teensy bit sore, go, oh, better stop. You just got to work through the processes and then uh, and then make an educated decision after a little period of time. So frustrating, but uh, I'm on the right track there.
0: There okay, you John. Let's do the winger of the week. Who it is? it Okay,
1: ran, random.org says it's number five today. So, number five is Pass the Chamois Cream. Pass the Chamois Cream. Okay. Pass Chamois right. Cream. So, this is the most bike time on the Guy's side of things, I don't know if this will have updated yet or if the person hasn't updated it yet, but anyway, on the Guy's side of things, we had David Hedges took it out 17 hours and 14 minutes and 56 seconds, and I think this is still the same as what we had last yeah. week, I don't know if it's updated. I
0: think it's the same thing, haven't we?
1: It is. Yes, we're, reco- we're recording on a Monday. Anyway. Let's do
0: another category then. Let's, let's do another category.
1: Uh, swinging time
0: okay here we go
1: who are our swingers the most running Simon Booth ran the most 9 hours and 44 minutes in 4 runs 4 runs oh. bloody hell that's impressive that is impressive as opposed to Sam Hicks still very impressive that you ran 9 hours and 5 minutes but did that over 9 runs and Michael Parrott in 3rd for the guys 8 hours 24 off 12 runs
0: what about the 12 girls? runs in 1 week is bloody impressive yeah that is isn't it
1: oh. Now, Melissa Uri, who I was expecting, and I'm going to be interviewing her this week. You'll hear from her in, in a few weeks' time on one of our pre recorded shows. She had seven hours, 31.40 from one activity. Um, but she was overdoing the epic five, so she did the five Ironmans on the oh, five cool. islands yeah. in Kona, and she's also done Ultraman. So I'm going to be interviewing her to sort of contrast what it's like to do to do that, moving around all the five islands over five days. So you'll hear from her soon. But I would have expected her to be number one on all these lists, given that she did five Ironmans in five days, so obviously hasn't quite clicked over. Mel Seltiel uh, was in second place in eight five hours, 44, and Jennifer Moore was in third with three hours, 45. And Mel was the bike course director down there in Challenge Wanaka good times. Even if you slip with that pen, you're going to take a tooth out and the grinder's going to have to come and grind your mouth to pieces.
0: (laughs) This pen's a bit of a pain because it's got this bit that pulls my hair out of my face. It gets there and it just pulls the hair out and it really hurts, but I can't stop doing it. He's shoving this pen all through his mouth. (laughs) Simon Booth, Simon Booth, the reason he won the run was he did a run called Twin Peaks, which was an 81.3k run. He was running for 7 hours and 30 minutes. Average pace, 533 and obviously, that's a climbing run, so it's a pretty good pace.
1: Nice work, Simon.
0: Yeah, good work, mate. Good work. Uh, elevation six, nearly 1,700 metres.
1: Impressive.
0: Yeah, good work. So well done, Simon. Okay, Jumbo, questions and answers. First one. Comes... What about
1: Extreme oh, sorry. Endurance? Sorry,
0: our sponsor. <laughs> Tell me about Fuel 5.
1: Fuel 5 Plus, that's their new product that's just recently been released. You will have heard about Fuel 5 before. It's their six fuel sources plus lactate. But this time around, they've got caffeine. So if you want to find a nice source of caffeine within your sports drink so you don't have to pop any tablets or anything mid-session and you don't have to take in a caffeinated gel, you can have it all in your sports drink, check it out, Fuel plus. Remember the promo code IMTALK20 gets yourself 20% discount. Now they get their caffeine is derived from natural green tea to help increase focus and performance and that's in terms of the stimulant plus you've got your four carbohydrate fuel sources plus lactate to get you through your sessions. So check it out. It's a lemon berry flavor. So check it out xendurance.com and remember promo code imtalk Twenty.
0: This time good times so x if you like a bit of caffeine in your life and you want it in your training fuel five plus is where you want to go john questions and answers okay coach's corner question this will be my 28th year in racing triathlons in 2006 this is from derek aikens I moved from sprint Olympic distance to 70.3 in Ironman and I've now done six full Ironman averaging one every couple of years. I have long held a goal to race Kona and my options are to qualify outright or through a legacy spot. The legacy rules mean I'll ultimately need to do around 13 to 14 Ironmans so still have a long way to go. In three more seasons of racing, 2019, I will age up to a more senior age group and feel that if I maintain my current fitness in Ironman times that I'll have a fair chance of qualifying in the new age group would coach john recommend to me either compete two or three ironmans in 2017 and 18 the additional expense of racing and wear and tear on my body are considerations although this does provide more race experience or focus my efforts on 2019 as a long-time listener of iron talk i'm well aware of the famous john newsome recommended three-year plan for ironman Well, that's a little bit different in the situation. Um, How does this tie into Kona qualification goals for more experienced athletes? Thanks, Derek.
1: So a lot of this would depend if you reckon you've mastered the Ironman distance and and by that I mean having a really good run off a, a well-paced bike ride. And that's the mystery of Ironman. Once you've done that, then you've sort of got your baseline you can work off. If you haven't done that, I think you need to keep banging banging out a few more until you have reached that level. And um, That being said, you've got to um, think about where your strengths and weaknesses lie and um, if you're focusing on getting you know, a performance slot. So my advice would probably be to go and do a few Iron Distance races in 2017 and have a look at your times, see how that's going to stack up in terms of qualifying in 2019. Now things will change a bit between now and then, but you should have a pretty good idea if you're in the right ballpark in terms of getting a performance qualifying spot. So I'd say stack up some races in 2017, see if you're in the right ballpark, and and then basically assess the situation. And if you think you've got a a very strong case of getting a performance slot, then I would go and... um then just start focusing on your weaknesses, you know, whether that be on the bike or the run or what, whatever aspect of your race is your weakness, then really knuckle down in 2018 and really try to address that. So that might be really dedicating a big part of the year to improving your bike FTP, or it might be going away and improving your running and running um, in marathons and maybe trying to improve your 10K time, for example. Um, that would be if you, if you thought, yeah, I've got a pretty... Bloody good chance of qualifying based off performance. And then what I do is looking at um, 2019, you'd try to. Hold on, where am I going here with this Bevan? And then, then basically focusing all your efforts on on 2019. Maybe do one Ironman race in 2018 at the end of the season, or alternatively look for a sort of uh, an earlier race in 2019. So yeah, I guess it really depends on whether A you've mastered the dif- distance um, in terms of putting out a really strong race, and then B if you th- based off that. Maybe go and do a, another one race this season or so. Test you, really test yourself, and see if you're going to be in the ballpark of uh, of qualifying as an age group performance place. And if you're going, it's going to be a bit of a long shot. Uh, I would say then you just start stacking them up and try to go for that legacy spot.
0: Nice, nice, big, big, big achievement. It is a hard one when you're kind of
1: on the edge yeah. because. And when it when it comes to 2019 though, what I would say is trying to choose an and earlier to mid-season race so then you go for it yeah and and then if you don't make it then you've got a couple of other opportunities to either go for it again or just start logging up the logging up the Ironman so but I look you've got quite a bit of experience there in terms of you've been racing triathlon for 28 years sometimes that means you might have just been doodling along and just doing the sport and and doing it as as a lifestyle so you've got to be honest with yourself and go how much improvement have I really got if I just said right for the next nine months I'm going to focus exclusively on my cycling I'm going to try to ride five times a week for the next nine months and really see how good I can get on the bike or whether you've already exhausted those options
0: Good luck Mm. Let us know how you get along Neil Cooper just sent us through a couple of quick ones here, John. Um, just last week he was one of the patrons at the beginning of the show and we didn't know the nickname. And oh. he, t- he sent us an email and say, I got a name check at the beginning of the latest podcast, but you've forgotten my nickname. Well, here it is, Neil the Educator Cooper. I that think, is a
1: good nickname too. And I,
0: I, He can not remember where it came from, but I reckon it was probably from Mr. Cooper. And there was a TV program in like the 90s. Uh, a, a school teacher was Mr. Cooper and he was kind of this cool school teacher so I think that's why you probably got that so uh so there you go and he just said give a shout out so he's got I do help though with the swim coaching at my local tri club and if you get a chance perhaps you could give him a shout out to all the members of the Peninsula Triathlon Club in Northern Ireland
1: go Northern Ireland
0: yes in the Peninsula Triathlon Club and just another one here John so another a listener of my other podcast uh actually he's got a podcast he's a guy in his 20s and he does a podcast called How To Do Your Twenties, and he got me on I did an interview on it a few months ago. And he's quite an entrepreneur, and he basically has brought out this product uh, called Performance Nut Butter. And basically what it is, if you go to the link there, it's it, he's basically creating a peanut, God, like a, not a gel, but like, a, like gels that you can have when you're in running. And it has, now he's actually sent me some through, John, and it's pretty bloody good. It's got macadamia, cashew nut, um, coconut, maybe something else in there as well, and it's basically performance butter, and uh, yeah, and he sent me some through.
1: Paleo, ketogenic, and vegan friendly.
0: And he's doing it so you get it in like you know in gel form, so that you can make sure you know you can get it when you actually out, use it when you're out training. So, and it tastes bloody good. I have to say, he sent me some through, and uh, it tastes bloody good. So he's doing a Kickstarter which ends. 9th of June. So but when you go into his Kickstarter, you can buy some of the product. So you can go into the Kickstarter, you can see what it is. And if you are someone who's doing one of those types of diets and you are looking for a, a way to be able to fuel yourself using nuts while you're actually out training. And basically, one of the the servings, which will be in the little sachet forms, is 200 calories
1: mm-hmm.
0: in, in the fat kind of way. So I'll put a link to it. It's called Performance Nut Butter. And you can go to his on Kickstarter. He's already raised $10,000, so obviously people are pretty keen. Um, go there, do that, and he can get his product to you. I've got to say, I haven't used it so much for training. I've just been kind of having a teaspoon in the afternoon every day. And
1: uh, I'm sure the love on that. Don't yeah. go picking it all out yourself. Well,
0: next time you come around, if there's any left, good luck. <laughs> <We're> oh. in- <laughs> it is pretty good. Yeah. yeah, so check it out. I'll put a link to that dub, 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 in www.iamtalk.me.
1: Nice patrons, Bevan. Okay. Yeah, a couple of newbies, couple oh, of new we... patrons. Oh. Yes, Paul. How do you say his last name? Well, I'm going Yoda. It's got to be, doesn't You've it? You've got to go Star Wars somewhere in the, on this one. Okay, what's Tommy's favorite Star Wars character? Oh, I don't know if he's really got a got a favorite.
0: Okay, wait. You do the second one. I'm gonna look up Star Wars characters.
1: Okay, Michael Good. G O O D E. Michael Good. Just just take a pause there, Bevan.
0: Okay, I okay, I'll do that. I have to do that in my with my pen. I've lost my pen that I was eating, John.
1: Oh, you should have had uh, oh. your pen in your mouth, shouldn't oh, you?
0: Should Here we go. I'll take a pause. Yep. Okay, well, it took us about twenty minutes to figure that one out. jombo you've gone you you've got Michael good and I and I reckon it should be two as in two good, but you didn't you, you didn't give me that one.
1: Michael, if you want to, the number, if you want two, then that's fine. But Michael's—he uh, t- trains over in Bahrain, and he went to Austria last year. Didn't have the most pleasant of time, and he's going back this year and going to do do it, and he's going to smoke it. And he's part of the Bahrain Triathlon Team. Now, last year he went to Aust- Austria, It didn't go well. This year he's going back, and so we're going to call him Crater. Now, that came off a nickname, nickname generator website as a bounty hunter name, but it's also applicable here for Michael because he's digging himself out of that crater and he's going to come out the other side.
0: Okay, nice, nice. I got Paul Yoda. So then I went on to the Star Wars Wikipedia database. There's a lot of characters in Star Wars, John. Mm. And now I'm going to have to do my Apple trick here. Wait again. Darth Plagueis. Plagueis. Darth Plagueis was a Mun-Sith lord mentioned in Revenge of the Sith who was obsessed with finding the key to immortality. So, so Paul Yoda, you are Darth plus C, I miss. Good luck with Very that. Very good. Good, luck. There good we go. luck with that, Paul. If you want to keep now, a page Paul, on the show, I go to... Oh,
1: sorry? Uh, Paul is from uh, northern Missouri in the US and enjoys all distances. He's only on one full Man this year, but he's going to Chattanooga at the end of summer 2017. And he'll keep going there every year until he qualifies for Kona, his next goal.
2: Nice. Next,
1: his previous goal was being a wanger of the week, which I managed to accomplish for Slippery, highlight of my life, Raised in the Midwest, I teach courses at secondary education and adolescent psychology at Truman State University. He's married, he's got an 11-year-old daughter, and who has dreams of being a professional dancer. I went to Joseph in the Technicolor Dreamcoat yesterday, there's a few professional dancers there, and also has a niece who suffers from muscular dystrophy, so a big part of my racing is dedicated to raising money and bringing awareness to muscular dystrophy as we continue to fight for a cure. Nice. Nice work, Paul.
0: Yeah, good work, mate. Um, says so good man. Okay, Jumbo sponsors. Athlinks.com social networking for endurance athletes, extreme endurance. Your lactic buffer.
1: And our new affiliate, TrySports.com. Remember the promo code IMTalk.
0: Or you just go to our link on our website, me as well to go there. Uh, Jonbo, also patrons. If you want to become a patron, go me like Michael and Paul have. And you can just support us and what we're doing, helping to entertain you and your training and help fairly educate you as well. Jumbo, what's your goss? What's my goss?
1: You've heard about my key session last week, yeah. so had to just... Uh, Put my uh, tail between my legs the last couple of days and get over that, even though I didn't go the full distance. Legs are still pretty sore, and Mother's Day yesterday. So, oh, where'd you, you get her? Well, Blinda's not my mother, so I got my mother oh, uh, right. a box of chocolates. <laughs> what <laughs> what kind of chocolates did you get her? Lint, top shelf Lint oh, ones. Nice. Yeah, yes. and You're a good boy. Yeah, went out and got Belinda some uh, some nice pastries and stuff for, for morning tea and lunchtime, um, which was all good in the hood, and then went out for a 5K run with Thomas yesterday. Oh, got him wow. doing a little bit of intervals. We've got the Zone Sports this week on uh, Wednesday, and then went out
0: Because
1: they to do about just, 2 or 3K, don't they? Yeah, about
0: 2, about 2. Yeah, so. What kind of pace with kind of Tommy run?
1: Well, we, were cru- we we cruised out, so we ran along behind the old Les Mills by the yep. estuary on that little yep. path there, and we way. did two 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 and a half K cruising on the way out, conversational, and he was running about six minute Ks, six nice. minutes per K, and then on the way back, um, for part of it, I was getting to do 200 meters hard, 200 meters easy, nice. and when he was doing that, average pace sort of dropped down to about sort of 5.30 per K, nice. so nice. yeah. You could keep up with plenty of our listeners, I think. Oh,
0: for it, yeah, for it. Well, yeah, definitely pretty good work.
1: Um, so, and nice. then we went to Joseph in the Technicolor Dreamcoat last was good? night. A bit of musical action, it was good. It was, you know, a modernized version of the old traditional Joseph. Um, and it certainly had a few bit of a 70s theme to it, you know, a bit of Elvis going on there. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it was good. South African outfit doing it.
0: Oh, well, well you're a bit of a mm. purist when it comes to uh, theater, aren't you, John? Yeah, I like the pure,
1: I'd like to see the original, just go. <laughs> Back, back to where it started. Bevan, what's happening in your world? We're going to Taiwan tomorrow? Tonight, actually. Tonight? enough tonight. My flight's at midnight. From Auckland? or from... Yeah. yeah.
0: So I leave here. I've got to be at the airport at five. Luckily, I'm not a Coral Club member like you are, John. wow, well, you should be. No, but no, I don't really need to be nowadays because I've got one. I changed my Visa card to your one. Mm-hmm. And luckily, when you own a business, you put a lot of money through a Visa card. And so... I get up. I've, they've given me six Cora club passes already for the year. There you go. Yeah, so they keep giving me Cora club. So technically, I'm not a member, but I'm getting the benefits. <laughs> so then, okay. and then I managed to get my premium me, so I'm pretty happy about that as well. So when? When? I know. So hopefully, I'll about to sleep on the flight. Uh, we went to a place called Mumbai Wala. John, have you been there? No. Do you like Indian? Yes. Oh, you got to go Mumbai Wala. Mm, Mumbai okay. So the people who own Little India, which is kind of just the kind of typical Indian place, they've decided to do a top end Indian restaurant in town, and we went there on Saturday night, and Jeepers, creepers, it's good food.
1: Mm.
0: If you like a bit of an, and you like your hot stuff, don't you? I
1: do you like a bit of warmth? Yeah. Because I
0: got, I got, I got, Mum and Dad. So it was my Dad's sixtieth. So Mum and Dad said, look, we're paying. So, so, so go crazy! I, I mean, I <laughs> that's never a good. <laughs> that's a
1: good start, but it's. Uh, I bet a, that food tasted a whole lot better. I did not
0: like food that night, I tell you. So I went all in, and I got the butter chicken, because I do like a butter chicken among other things that I got, and um and I go to the woman because I'm trying to be more ambitious, John. I, when I was younger, I didn't really like hot food, and I'm trying to be more ambitious. And I went to Mumbai Wala, a few months ago, and I went kind of hot, and I really liked it. So. I go to the. I go to the lady. She goes. Do you want mild, or what? What options would you have? Mild, 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 mild medium, or hot. Okay. So,
1: so I go. Or burn your balls. Oh. Yeah.
0: I go. I go hot, and she was a lovely, lovely Indian lady, and she looks at me. and She goes, "You really want?" hot? <laughs> she gave me this look. Of, you do not want hot. I'll get oh, 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 hot. And she goes, do "You really want hot?" So I went medium. I went medium. Yeah. Yeah. And the medium was pretty. It wasn't. It wasn't crazy hot. It was just warm. But, but very good. If you like Indian John, check it out. Mumbai wala. Mm. So that was good. Oh. My dad's turned sixty.
1: Mhm. You
0: know, We're talking about for a run. He did fourteen minutes for his five k's. That's pretty pretty.
1: So impressive. he's turning sixty, and yep. you're turning uh, 40. forty this year.
0: Yep, yep, yep. It yep. all happens, and my daughter turns twenty this week. Another baby on the way soon. (laughs) I don't think my daughter's going to keep up the family tradition because if she would, she'd be pregnant by now. I'd be a granddad by now. My mum was a grandmother at thirty-six. Imagine that! Imagine Imagine being a grandfather four years ago. Yeah, that's how we roll in my family. So slightly disappointing that she hasn't, but. (laughs) (laughs) But other than that, John, Taiwan, come home, Europe. It's all happening, John. Tell you. Fantastic. On. so next week we are going to be back in back together
1: Yes, I think so. And then after that, it's pretty much uh, shows on the road. So we have one show from Kona coming up from the Kona camp that I'm doing over there. And then the rest of them are going to be a bunch of pre-recorded interviews. So we've done, uh, Evans done a few interviews. I've done a few. And so we'll be basically slotting in an interview each week with a uh, one of our old legends or really iconic interviews. So you guys will have plenty of fodder. And then we'll be kicking some butt from Rote.
0: Good times, guys. Okay, Jonbo, let's wrap it up for this week. I'm Rust. I'm Endo. Train hard. Train smart. Kickar.